0: Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart and Midlothian Football Club and now sponsored by Dalry Swim Centre, Edinburgh's breaststroke <laughs> hotspot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am Laurie, Laurie Dunsire. Um, that was a lie, the last bit, but I couldn't resist Mark Donaldson. Oh, I should have maybe paused a bit more there.
1: <laughs> you couldn't resist, comma. I,
0: I couldn't Donald, resist.
1: No. Don't talk about dogging and then ref- <laughs> refrain from the uh, the missing out of the audio punctuation. Uh, yeah, what what, what a bizarre week! So um, don't lie because lying kind of gets you into trouble, um, as as you find out at our broth. So that's part one. And we'll we'll get to that. And part two, we've had a lot of really important guests on our show. I don't think we've had anybody as important as today's guests, the Sky Sports golf commentator Ewan Murray. <laughs> how are you thank you for the invite <laughs> you're welcome i'm not ewan murray from sky golf and i do not write the headlines says your twitter bio <laughs> what are you then are you are, are you you're a big hearts fan um yes, yes, still no. as grumpy uh, I, well fair you still as grumpy as you used to be or, or what are you now where are oh, you
2: of course i'm in the, i'm in Istanbul actually i'm on the banks of the bosphorus river that's, that's another story um and you guys are the first the first ever Hearts podcast asked me on. I've been invited by Rangers podcast, Celtic podcast, really, and and, and the, the love of my life. I've never been asked, so so thank you for the invite, and I'm delighted to join
0: you. Oh,
1: thank you for having us.
0: The latest member of the Dalry Swim Centre. That's what I was going to introduce you to,
1: <laughs> but the Dalry Walkers. Oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Before we explain, it brings a good uh, my, as my good friend Kenny Taylor said. It brings a new. Um, A new image around the the Dickens pub across the
0: street and and (laughs) all by road. Um, So just just to establish, this is all, some of you will not be on Twitter um, and maybe do not know what on earth we're talking about, which usually takes at least five minutes to get to that point. Um, Edinburgh Live tweeted, uh, this is an account on Twitter, and I think they just do general news, don't they? They do articles possibly as well. but anyway, they tweeted um, an apology because they'd apparently posted something which highlighted Dalry Swim Centre as one of Edinburgh's dogging hotspots. So they they issued an apology, saying that this was not the case. And um, I'm paraphrasing, but apparently the the swim centre does a lot for the community. Um, although I, I mean, a dogging hotspot could be a, a valuable service as well. I don't know. My goodness. Anyway, uh, not to be
1: confu- Not to be confused <laughs> with. Um live tv which used to be out of easter road back in the day with george wright brian swanson and sometimes joe guest who used to be a page three girl in the sun that was live tv from easter road um and (laughs) and, and this is edinburgh live getting mixed up with dogging and and goodness knows what and this is a hearts podcast we've already deviated way off on a tangent and we're not even six minutes in
2: it was the, it was the, like,
1: I haven't read the article, and
2: I'm, I'm not going to be bothered about it, but it was the, it was the nature of the, it, sure it was the nature not. of the apology, it was the nature of the apology that was absolutely hilarious. He said profuse apologies, and this is a very, a very important part of the community <laughs> <laughs> And it makes it's, you wonder, how, how, how could you get that wrong, you know? It's, it's, it's not, it's... Anyway, it's made me laugh all day, and I'll be... Laughing for the next few days about it, I think.
1: What, what about doggy paddle? Is, is that still a that kind of thing that you do when you go swimming? That's got a new meaning now as well. I can't swim, so there's no point asking me. You can't swim?
2: Oh dear. No, genuinely, I can't swim, no.
1: Why are you in Istanbul, by the way? Before before we talk our both hearts and then hearts, hips at the weekend and whatever, well, why are you in Istanbul?
2: Because uh, I'm going to the Masters at Augusta, and it's a, it's a bit of a travel... I don't want to say a loophole because it's perfectly legitimate, but I have to spend... A certain amount of time here before I, I fly into the United States, basically. So um, it's, a, it's a form of quarantine in Istanbul.
1: So does that mean you're scouting for Robbie while you're over there?
2: <laughs> if, uh, if Hearts can afford anyone here, yeah, that's probably valid. But <laughs> you've seen the salary in the Turkish football. Wow. Yeah. Mm.
0: So we will talk about uh, things like our growth <laughs> against Hearts and... <laughs> Part of Midlothian against Hibernian in a, a Scottish Cup semi-final, uh, as well as maybe a little bit about what um, part the the media plays in in Scottish football, since we have someone who's part of the MSM, if we want to to call it that, um, and amongst other things that will probably come up in this week's show. Okay, first up, Hearts travelled to to Gayfield on Friday night. Although I didn't, did, you did. I didn't. I travelled to Glasgow.
1: You were barred from Gayfield <laughs> for putting a tweet out. No.
0: God, I shouldn't even say this, I? since I've already... I-, I wasn't able to get a commentary position at Gayfield. I was not barred, but um, I jokingly put a-, a tweet out there saying, suggesting that because I used to play for Montrose under-14s, which is true, I wasn't very good, but I did, um, Arbroath had got wind of this and had barred me from the ground. So I, I I posted posted a jokey tweet suggesting that, and that I would have to go to Glasgow and come on the Hearts. But um, Arbroath took umbrage to that. They they didn't like the suggestion that that I was barred. Um, so I was I had to take it down. <laughs> so you were barred. <laughs> so I yeah. So I probably am now. Mm. For the, when we we travel to Arbroath We got, go got to go there
1: again this season? go there again this
2: season? We do.
3: We'll
2: be there. Laurie, what, what constitutes a commentary position at Arbroath? Oh, I mean, a mean probably.
0: Ground,
2: the, 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 no, but the ground is empty. I mean, what, 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 what do you mean by they can't give you a commentary <laughs> position?
0: The only phone line where the dial-up um, internet um, is connected into is probably only got one little wooden chair next to it. Um, and um, whoever was commentating for... For BBC probably had that, so um right, yeah. okay. I don't mean I don't mean to, I don't mean to take the piss out of our broth, generally. Take the piss out of our all
2: you want. It's, it's, it sounds like it sounds like a needlessly pompous position. They only had to let you into the ground and let you <laughs> let you watch the game and commentate on it and there's to, no one else there. Yeah,
0: to be to be fair, I think it was it was logistical stroke practical. Um but yeah, I I, I sent a silly tweet and um apparently our both don't like me anyway, so but, Whatever. Yeah. We won. Get up them. Uh, it, well, <laughs> they'll never listen to this. It's fine. Okay, so Hearts, uh, in the game itself, uh, I suppose, fairly disappointing performance-wise on the whole. Although we did talk about it last week being a game that we possibly expected it to be to be quite tricky. We're, we're not going to go into too much depth on um, the ins and outs, but they obviously relied on Craig Gordon a fair bit, some... Good saves from the Hearts goalkeeper. Midfield, maybe non-existent would be about as as kind as I could put it. Elliot Freer, maybe the same. Josh Ginelli, injury, a bit of a worry. What was your feeling overall, Mark, on, on how things went? Was it sort of, this is what we expected when we went to Arbroath to face a very well-organised Dick Campbell side?
1: Yeah, I said that last week. It wouldn't be easy. The Hearts didn't play well, but they got three points. There are going to be games like this this season. This isn't going to be a 6-2 or a four-goal victory every week like it was on the first game of the season. They're not going to be able to play brilliantly every week or play well every week. But when they don't play well, it's about getting three points, and they did. And if you give me a choice, playing well and getting three points or getting a victory and not playing well and still getting a victory, if you had one for the Hibs game and one for the Arbroath game. Give me that performance against Arbroath. Mm -hmm. Because if we'd swan through having beaten Dundee and coasted against Arbroath, then it may be a bit of a a concern. But I think Robbie now knows. He just needs to say to them, look, that performance was unacceptable. I know you got the points. And I know he came out afterwards and said he was delighted with the three points, I think he would have had a go at one or two of the players, because yeah. it, it, it was unacceptable at times, but it's three points, so for anyone that's saying, oh, this isn't good, come on, there'll be a lot of games like that the three points are in the bag, hearts are two from two, let's move on.
0: One thing I, I thought was supposed to be interesting 18 away games in Robbie Nielsen's first championship season obviously when we romped the league, so 18 away games, how many, Mark, do you think we won by more than a goal?
1: Not too many, I would imagine, given the, the nature of the question
0: Seven. Seven of the 18 we won by more than one goal. Um, we, we drew two and we lost two, but there was a, a nil-nil draw with Dumbarton, there was a, a scrappy 87th minute winner away to Aloha, we edged over the line 2-1 away to Falkirk, we needed a late winner at Queen of the South, there was a 93rd minute penalty away to Beath. so I guess similar pattern with a lot of those games to this Arbroath one. Um, you and Arbroath, you know, Robbie talked about them having the third best home record in Scotland over the last couple of years, they had the best defensive record in the championship other than Dundee United last season, only lost fewer home matches, um, only United lost fewer home matches uh, is this what you would expect from a team like our Arbroath to be able to nullify a side who are going to dominate possession like Hearts did for long spells?
2: Yeah I think I think your last point was actually the pertinent one I, I remember, for all we, we remember the previous time in the championship and Hearts coasted away with the league. I, I remember those those tight games vividly. I, I remember being at Cowdenbeast. I think I think Brad that 93rd minute when it was a penalty that Brad yeah. McKay might have taken. He did. I think. Um, so I, I remember that game. I remember Dunbarton. Um, so yeah, I think with that image that Hearts scoosed the league and they did. But there were quite a lot of those sticky games at that uh, you know at that time. And I, I, yeah, I agree with Mark. They weren't great on on Friday. I, I actually didn't think they were great during a few of the Betfred Cup. Games, but um, you know, that being cliche, I don't like that. You know, they just have to win, get results, and, yeah. and move on. And, and funnily enough, I don't know this, but, but you know, I think the Bedford Cup games, the early ones, Robbie had entire focus on on that Dundee game. Well, it's not saying Hearts could lose the Bedford Cup games, and, and they're in a strong position. I think the team had real eyes on, on playing Dundee, and, mm-hmm. and it was all right. It was all right on the night then, because they, they they battered Dundee. And I wonder if there's a little bit of that with um, the semi-final looming. Whereby get that one out of the way, now there's a really big game. Now we can focus on that, and and it's maybe been a little bit in the kind of um, in the eyes of the coaches and stuff. Anyway, but yeah, I mean it wasn't it wasn't a great watch, but I thought, as I said and what you said, it reminded me a lot of the previous campaign that there there were sticky games like that that ultimately they won, and and that's what matters.
0: Obviously. That game in isolation, it's fine. We, we got the three points. There were concerning elements for me and I think for many people. you know, Craig Gordon did well. I thought the defence was re- reasonably settled and something that a lot of people had highlighted at the time. Midfield, I think, was a big issue for us, which is why in the end when we got a goal it was a back to front um, ball from Michael Smith. That central midfield pairing is one that will cause a lot of discussion, Mark, but Safe to say Ollie Lee and Andy Halliday wouldn't have given Robbie many considerations for the Hibs game based on that.
1: No, Andy Halliday will bring certain things to heart, so I think he was a good signing. It didn't work with Ollie Lee, but I mean, I'm not, not trying to put this as an excuse, but when you practice all week with a formation that you have in mind and a personnel that you have in mm-hmm. mind, and then you've got to change it after nine minutes when Janelli goes off, it still doesn't excuse the performance of two or three players. I thought Elliot Freer was, was, was very poor. Yeah. Um, he might end up being a, a, a kind of impact sub for Hearts. Because I think when, when everybody's fit, um, Freer's the third choice if there's two spots available. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he, he didn't play well. And it's not ideal. But Halliday and Lee, you know what? Robbie's going to learn certain things as well. He's he's new to this role and to these players as well. He's going to learn what works and what doesn't work. I'd rather learn my lessons at our both. And then learn from them and put something into play for the Hibs game. Because as Ewan was saying, and, and Robbie said it on our podcast as well, it was all about Dundee to begin the season. The Bet Fred Cup, if we won them, which he hoped that we would, it was a good thing. And after that, obviously he hoped we'd win at our broth, but it's it's all about the, the Hibs game. So if we've learned anything from our broth that will help him against Hibbs, that's fine by me.
2: Mark but Mark, funny enough funnily enough, I am Andy Irving's biggest fan, but, but I didn't think I thought for all the Dundee game was 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 excellent on, on a number of levels. I didn't think Andy Irving and Ollie Lee worked either. No. And I think I think I think what they need is legs and David say defensive legs in the middle of the pitch. And and Robbie seems to be a real fan of Ollie Lee. I mean he spoke about how he, he, he mm-hmm. watched England and rated them in England and he knows him. And I and I would I think Andy had a knock on Andy Irving had a knock on Friday and that's why he didn't play, but, but I would almost edge towards Andy Irving and Andy Halliday or Andy Irving and Peter Haring if he's fit enough to play I I don't think one of many issues that are kind of floating around I don't think they've quite resolved how that midfield is going to work yet.
1: yeah that's that's an interesting point because look you know Robbie as well as I do and and we text you text with him and and I'm sure he's, he's said something similar to you as well and I'm not telling tales out of school because I'd said to him one day, I said, because I do the Italian games and I love the way Atalanta play. It's the three centre-backs when they've got possession. One of those centre-backs comes forward. It's a 3-4-2-1 or a 3-4-1-2. And I said, well, so, something like that. Is that a formation that, that, that's of interest to you? And he goes, I, I like the formation, but he feels he doesn't have the legs middle to front to get beyond the striker, which that formation requires. So he actually started it in the first pre-season game that, that he played. I don't know if it was at Rickerton or, or if it was elsewhere. Um, and he, he pretty quickly realised it wasn't a formation with the personnel he has right now that he yeah. would use that much. I mean, the three-five-two he's spoken about, the four-two-three-one he's spoken about. I think what you what what we saw with the Dundee game was in essence a four-three-three with Jamie Walker deeper and the two wingers in support of the striker, which then became a four-two-three-one defensively because you don't want to have um, you don't want to have three centre backs playing against one striker in a in a back three. So again, he's he's still finding stuff out, isn't he?
2: Yeah, of course. I mean, I mean, yeah,
1: absolutely. That's that's kind of that's
2: kind of my point. But the 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 midfield element of it is the bit, and we'll go on to talking about the weekend. That's the one bit I would slightly worry about mm-hmm. that he doesn't have complete clarity there for obvious reasons. I mean, Hearts haven't played enough competitive games. Guys aren't sharp. Andy Halliday's played I don't know two or three games in eight months. Um, so and Peter Haring's situation. What's he played? Two or three bits of games in eighteen months. You know that's not only quite... only
0: one 90 ninety-minute game since we last played at Hampton.
2: Yeah, there you are. I mean, that, so that's not. It's one of the reasons that I think, as again, we'll, you know, we'll speak about it. But it's one of the reasons I think the hearts. You'd worry about them not being quite ready because that area of the pitch, I think, is still a little bit of a a work in progress.
0: Yeah, I mean, at the top end of the park, um, Liam Boyce, in terms of a finishing point of view, was. Was misfiring again, and it was Craig Whiteon who ended up being the the saviour. Now now has double the amount of goals for Hearts. Um, oh no, sorry, no, forgot Liam Boycott's penalty. we will give him that. But in terms of Craig Whiten, is has this turned for you? Um, you in, obviously he had twenty four games without scoring for Hearts. Was you know, very underwhelming in his um in his first games, his first season at the club. Has it now turned a corner with that hat trick? You know, it w- and be fair to him, it was actually a really good finish.
2: Yeah, the third goal—you mean against um, Wraith Rovers.
0: That, was, that, that, that was... and the and the Arbroath game. Yeah, yeah,
2: sorry, the third goal was uh, the third goal against Ro- Wraith Rovers is where things turned a little bit. I think because yeah. he suddenly looked like a player who believes in himself. I, I mean, I'm—I've always been a massive Craig White fan. I was really pleased when Hart signed him. but and he's not the first guy I've seen like this. I remember Gavin Riley actually. I think was similar. Mm-hmm. He it looked like he signed for Hearts and get kind of overawed by the situation. It felt like too big a deal for him. It felt like the weight of the world was on his shoulders, um, and, it, and he just looked under pressure and nervous every time he played. And Tynecastle was a hard place to play, and, and I think the supporters are pretty unforgiving anyway. And, and it looked to all intents and purposes for him as if it wasn't going to work. And and to be fair to him, he's going away during the break and he's obviously physically, he's, he's different, he looks great and he's knuckled down. I don't think there was ever a question about his attitude and there was never a question about his talent. And I think weirdly, no spectators at games helps him and people like him because he can now build up a bit of a head of steam without any kind of noise or, or, or pressure from the, from the stands. So, you know, he, he was obviously, people at the club said to me, he was the kind of star of the show and, and the surprise package during pre-season. And he's carried that on. And on a, on a personal level, I'm just really pleased for him because he seems a really good guy who for a while was intimidated and now he, he's playing with freedom. And I just hope he carries that on because he's he's, he's got plenty of ability. There's, there's no issue about that.
0: So Hart's obviously edged over the line. I guess the other key player was, was Craig Gordon, as I mentioned. A really good save from, uh, from Doolin in the first half uh, Mark, is that still a big difference for Hearts to have a, an actual goalkeeper between the sticks after last season?
1: It's, it's a massive thing for Hearts, and it's funny because I remember when Craig went south from Hearts initially, and we spoke after a few months, and, and I was like, "How's it been?" He goes, "I hardly have anything to do." I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "Well, they're better. They're they're more efficient. The strikers down here they don't need as many chances as they do up in Scotland." And now it's a case of the chances that, you, that, that are missed in the championship. I mean, better teams would have taken something off hearts the way that we played on Friday night. Our both missed a couple of real big opportunities. And, and his point here is that they'll probably get chances in the championship. However, they'll probably need more chances to, to score a goal because the quality isn't quite there. So to have a decent goalkeeper and to know it's going to take something special to beat him and a clean sheet as well, and I know earlier you spoke about Peter Haring how he's he's played one ninety minutes since the cup final. That victory for Hearts at Arbroath was the first time since before the cup final, since Dundee at Dens Park in March 2019, that Hearts had won a league game outside of Edinburgh.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, I think I made it in commentary, but you would have been you would have been following that, would you? You would have been watching the old BBC.
1: Yeah, I prefer people who are
0: actually at the game to listen to that. <laughs> uh, one final thing on the Arbroath game. I just want to touch on this, Ewan. 4 2 3 1 seems to be Robbie's preference. Obviously, we know Mark mentioned he had he has used a 3, and we've mixed things up in matches a couple of times. We did switch to a 4 4 2 at times to accommodate the change on Friday. This was after Josh Ginelli went off. Are we able to utilise or implement Robbie's favoured formation if we don't have Ginelli? We'll get on to the Hibbs game and and how that might set up, but generally, do you think that's a problem? Because, I guess, Freer was pretty non-existent. Roberts has maybe been um, still 50-50 in in how he's going to impress. Do you think we rely on Ginelli to make that system work?
2: No, actually, I agree that Freer hasn't been... um... You know, particularly impressive when when he's played. Um, I remember Robert Inverness. I thought he was a really good player. Mm-hmm. He, he had injury problems there. No, I I think the the great thing about the squad just now is that, that there are options, um, and that system can still work if one or two of them are are missing. The, the quality might diminish, and I, I think Janelle, obviously has, you know you know set the hell on fire to an extent. So, you know, it's obviously far far better when he's involved. But but no, I I don't think. They're now in a position whereby it's dependent on one player or two players, and that dictates the way they're going to have to play. Um, so, so no, I, I you know, I would have confidence. I, I think, you know, the thing with Elliot Freer is Robbie Nielsen's admired him for a long time. I yeah? think he tried to sign him before, maybe even when he was at Hearts the last time. So I would trust Robbie's judgment on a lot of things, and especially knowledge of players. So, I mean, if Robbie's pursued a guy and admired a guy for... You know, numerous years. I, I think he'll, you know, ultimately be okay. Um, and white players are funny anyway. And white players at this level, they're, you know, they're playing at this level for a reason. They're going to be inconsistent. Um, and, and you know, there's an adaptation in terms of playing for hearts, and certainly playing for hearts in the current um, vogue. So you know, I, I think maybe people have been a bit quick to, you know, say fears a massive. Um, drop on on Gianelli, and Roberts, a massive drop in Genelia. I, I would give them a bit of leeway there. Yeah, I think that could still could still work, and certainly the, the formation can still work.
1: Freer looks like a, a confidence player, Ewan, doesn't he? He looks like he's someone a white, who a bit like he's a white player. Yeah, yeah,
2: he's a white player. I mean, most of them, you know, they're, they're generally inconsistent. They're generally, I mean, you know, I would I would just give them a bit of leeway, especially in this scenario. And and as I say, if if Robbie's admired him and he has for for numerous years you think he must have he must have something
1: it's not like us hearts fans is it to make our mind up about a player after two or three <laughs> games and that's it we're not going to change it
2: imagine we were in the stadium shouting and bawling and screaming at
0: <laughs> well hearts managed to get out of um our growth with all three points thankfully and keep up their 100 percent record at the start of this season even if you have to um, remind william hill that that is the case
1: So it's great having you and Murray on as a, a guest, big hearts supporter. Um, took over from Lawrence Donigan as the Guardian Golf correspondent uh, many years ago, and one of the reasons I think I wanted to chat about this topic today is Ouch. Ouch. What? Many, many years ago. Why? I've been away for ten years. <laughs> how, how many years ago was it? I don't
2: know. I don't care to think about it. But thanks for that.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. It's not a lie. It was. It was many years ago. But you're, you're kind of in a, an interesting position in that you, you deal with the old firm. You deal with Celtic and Rangers. You deal with Scottish football. But you can also see it from the outside looking in because you spend a bit of time in America as well. So I want to talk about the way that, that Scottish football media is perceived by supporters. It's it's unique, isn't it? It's unlike any other country because you deal a lot in London with the Guardian What's the perception, first of all, outside of Scottish football and outside of Scotland, um, by the way that Scottish football is covered, Ewan?
2: Oh, geez, oh, that's a wide question. Perceived? How's it perceived in London or, or around the world? Well, or well,
1: there's the. the the dichotomy here is that football is life or death in Scotland if you're a Celtic or a Rangers fan. But yeah, yeah. really, out, out with the border, no one really cares. And that's what that's what they get annoyed about. And then they feel if you say something against Rangers that you're a Celtic sympathiser and, and vice versa. But how, how do they claim that you take sides when you don't even support either of the sides? Is it because you're a heart supporter and then the affiliation, whether it's religious or whatever with Rangers, how, how does that work?
2: The first thing I would say about that is it, uh, it's probably easier for me. I, I don't support Rangers or Celtic. I mean, I'm I'm perfectly open. All that I could do with the guys who are supportive of the same season ticket and seat for years on end that it's perfectly obvious who I support. But I think that's easier when you don't support Rangers or Celtic. I, I kind of understand why guys who, who support the old firm aren't as forthcoming with that um, because it's a it's a kind it's a very very tribal environment. And funny enough, that doesn't exist in England. I think it's you know, well-known if guys support Man United or Man City or West, there's a massive West Ham contingent in the English football media. Um, so it, it's probably easier for me. I wouldn't criticise anyone for not not admitting the support Rangers or Celtic. Um, in terms of perceptions outside, I think there's still that thing that it's only one club or two clubs. Um, but there is also an awareness and an acknowledgement that the Rangers and Celtic are very very big football clubs. I mean, whenever I travel people know Rangers or Celtic, they also, I say it, support Hearts. I mean, Hearts are known, I wouldn't say everywhere and every person, but there's an awareness that these are big football clubs and certainly that Rangers and Celtic are are big football clubs. I think what's damaging for Scottish football, and I joke about it, but but I I mean it because I think it's damaging that the league is perceived as um, a one-team league or a two-team league, as has been the case since the mid-80s. I don't think that helps. And, And I... I agree it's not – I mean, when you start any season in any competitive sport and you know who's going to win and you know it's going to be one of two teams, I, I, I don't think that's healthy. And people outside the country realise that and reference that, and I think that's problematic.
1: You're not shy on social media. Um, you say what you, you say and you upset people and you don't care. But you're you're being honest from the outside looking in.
2: I'm sometimes winding people up, in fairness. I,
1: I think a lot of the time you're winding people up. <laughs> some, But hu- humour is something that not everyone seems to get. Um, you also, over time, have have criticised when there's been sectarian singing, and you've pointed it out. Do you think more journalists should have done that? Graham Spears is another who has pointed out and has been, he's been shot down from a great height. Do you think there's a fear, bearing in mind a lot of the Celtic and Rangers supporting journalists in the West Coast of Scotland? Do you think there's a fear of the the kind of um, that subject, that taboo subject, and mentioning it?
2: I don't. That would probably be unfair for me to comment on it. I, I think, from Graham's point of view, and fairness to him, I mean, he, he kind of led the, I mean, led the, the the trail in that regard. And and you know, to be fair, I think there comes a point, and my frustration is there comes a point when you realise that Scottish football officialdom is going to do nothing about it. So you think, well, what's the point? So so beyond the odd line and the odd thing saying this is happening and no one's doing anything about it, it becomes a frustration because there, there's no action taken. Um, and funny enough, I, I was thinking about it last week, actually. I, I, I hope, maybe this is naive, but I hope when people get back to football grounds, that might be one thing that, that maybe... And I, and I think, listen, not, not just sectarian singing, racist singing and all sorts of stuff, and I include you have to include heart supporters in this, things I've heard yes. down the years football grounds, but we're, we're miles, miles ahead of where we were, even in the early 90s, which, in football terms, isn't that long ago. Scottish football, what's said and sung... And shouted, I, I don't remember the last time I heard, a, well I do, <laughs> because it, it was at Dumbarton was the last time I heard a racist comment at a football ground, but, but I mean, things that you used to hear and cringe at, but they were kind of part of the atmosphere, really don't exist anymore, and that's why my, my frustration with with the old firm and, and the sectarian singing is Scotland as a society and as a culture and as a nation isn't like that that's not representative or reflective of how people are in Scotland so it angers me that this is kind of boomed out and portrayed as if that's how people behave. That's my anger with it. And my anger is that the Scottish football authorities have been so weak and, and ill-equipped to deal with it down the years. But I, I hope maybe when we get back, that that's one thing that might now have just fallen off the radar. Maybe, maybe, again, maybe I'm naive and it won't happen, but um, that was a roundabout way of asking a perfectly simple question, but I hope I got there.
0: <laughs> On the... um to try to get away from the, the, trickier, the trickier subjects, maybe... Uh, on the perception of of Scottish football and and maybe how it's how it's treated and looked at as just been about two teams we saw at the weekend Sky Sports posting which was given a lot of, <laughs> given a lot of coverage posting the preview of of Aberdeen Celtic with 22 Celtic goals and they also spell Aberdeen wrong in the video title um which was highlighted Apart from that. which was highlighted by Dave um Cormac the Aberdeen uh Chairman. He's he's chairman, isn't he? Uh, Is this something which is problematic? And I know you're obviously in the written media, so we're talking about broadcasting when it comes to Sky Sports. And, you know, from knowing people who are involved with the likes of Sky Sports, this comes more from up top and down south, you know, whoever is putting together the programming, the clips, and we see it with things like the badges getting, you know, Dundee get put up with a Dundee United badge and Hebs get put up with a Hearts badge when the scores come up on Sky Sports. Is that perception, is there a bit of a kind of backlash to that now? Because I don't know if social media is a big part of it, but you see so many fans raising this as an issue, whether they're an Aberdeen fan or a fan of anyone else. Do you think that's starting to get highlighted more than the likes of you know Sky Sports and other media might start to think that we have to adjust what we're doing because it's just starting to look bad?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, the first thing I would say, I mean, I would always, if someone puts a Dundee badge up against the Dundee United name or, you know, people make mistakes, that that can happen. I mean, I've made plenty of mistakes in printing my time. I wouldn't really lacerate, it shouldn't happen, but it, it looks like, I mean, it's just an error. Um, the Aberdeen montage of the weekend. I mean, that that looked entirely like people in London just saying this game's all about Celtic and that's all they're yeah. interested in, and that and that that perception is not good. I mean, I, I work for a London-based um, media outlet, but but in, in any circumstance like that, they would phone me and ask, look, how you know, how do we pitch this? How do we treat this? You know, it doesn't mean I'm writing about East Fife or Dunfermline every other week, but um, you know, you know what your audience is, but I think you have to be respectful. And that looked like we were only interested in the Celtic. We are only interested in the, the bigger team in this game. And I think that was a really bad look for Sky. Um, and Dave, I think David Cormack was right. I mean, he, he said it's a, you know, they're a partner of the game. They're supposed to be promoting the game. I'm not sure he'll refuse Sky's next commercial payment right enough. But <laughs> I think it's general Ewan, point
1: fair enough. Ewan, I've got a follow-up to, to that. We spoke two or three weeks ago um, about this. And I, I, I mentioned, I told the story how Luke Shanley um, had said how frustrated he was and they were in the office in Blytheswood Square in Glasgow. um, at What's happening down south in that it's done from someone who is, it's not an afterthought, but they don't have someone specifically involved um, in double-checking, like an ombudsman or whatever. So since then, there has been a bit of movement on this and they have been interviewing for... A role, which is a producer of Scottish football or something like that. Yes. Yeah. Which is is akin to a a senior producer slash ombudsman in that anything that goes out to do with Scottish football on Sky would have to be go past Mm. this person um, first. So that's good to know. Um, yes. that, I mean, look I spoke with Luke at the weekend, he messaged me um, along the lines of, for fuck's sake it's happened again, that's the frustration he's got, because we spoke about how hard working they all are, north of the border and then that comes down, and then Dave Cormack tweets it, and he goes, they deserve everything that they, they, they're they getting as far as, as that's concerned from the fans because it's not good enough so thankfully someone somewhere has seen that it's not good enough and I, the problem that they have now, boys, is that the perception is there. We have we were speaking 10 minutes ago about making our minds up about a player who wears a maroon jersey within a couple of games. That's it. We're not going to change our mind. People's perception of Sky has been made up. You're not going to change it. And if you do, it's over time. It's long term. It's not short term.
3: Benjamin loses out. Skatchel on to Hartley. Hearts are coming forward. Jankowskis wide one side. Elliot Dele. Jankowskis driving in. Jankowskis on to Hartley! Hartstein the lead! Hartley's going for goal! Malkowski expected the cross and poor Hartley spotted the gap! And Paul Hartley fires Hartstein into a 2 0 lead! Driven forward, Jankowski is going in on the goalkeeper! Malkowski wanted Aldi, wrapped wraps it up! Showed by the Hibs goalkeeper Jankowskis, closed them down. And then Gary Jankowskis ensures that Harts go through to the Scottish Cup on the 13th of May. It's Hibs nil, Harts three. Ball over the top, Portsmouth goes in there, he's dragged by penalty kick, and Gary Smith's in trouble. Gary Smith will see the colour of the card being red, he pulled back tonight, a goal scoring opportunity. We didn't think it could get any worse for Hibbs, quite simply, it has. Paul Hartley, a chance of a hat-trick in the Scottish Cup semi-final. Steps up and scores! He's eighth player in Hart's history to score a hat-trick against the local rivals. The Three Fingers celebrates the three-goal score by Paul Hartley. Captain for the second half celebrates, it's Hartley's hat-trick. And helps by four
0: goals and out. Moving on with some um, invigorating sounds there to to take us back to, to 2006, the last time Heart of Midlothian and Hibernian met in a Scottish Cup semi-final. Friend of the show, Paul Mitchell, uh, giving the excellent commentary of that one. Uh, but they will meet again, of course. Heart of Midlothian and Hibernian, Scottish Cup 2019-20, last season's Cup, in a semi-final in an empty Hamden Park at 5 o'clock on Saturday. Now, before we start going into the the nitty-gritty uh, of this one, Mark, I posted this on Twitter yesterday. Trurr. Twitter. Twitter. Every time. Every time, okay? I can't help that northern twang every now and again. I don't feel like it's a semi-final week. It feels no. very oh, yeah. odd.
1: You've got a guy sitting in front of the media, Andy Halliday, saying, "I always knocked out this competition," and it's like I've now got a bye through at the semi-final. <laughs> Although he doesn't speak like that either, but yeah, it's just
0: weird, isn't it? I feel very underwhelmed. You know, don't get me wrong. When it gets to Saturday and I'm there at the game, I'm going to be nervous, I'm going to be excited, and I'm going to be really hoping we win, and I'm going to be gutted if we lose. But that's the same for you know most games. I just you know if this was in normal circumstances, this is Wednesday now. I would be, you know, full of all kinds of emotions uh-huh. ahead of this game, buzzing for it, nervous for it, and I just, it just—it just feels odd. It feels like, well, if we win, does it really feel like a proper win? No one's there. It's last season. Everyone's going to question the validity of the whole thing. If we lose, we'll be gutted, but we can. People will probably reel out the well. You know, what does it matter anyway? A, an empty stadium in December to get pumped by Celtic. Maybe it just feels—it just feels odd. I'd, I don't know if it's just me, or I know I've, heard, I've seen other people saying differently. What I would say
1: is I think the best form team in Scotland right now was knocked out at Tynecastle Park by Lothian in the quarterfinals. So mm-hmm. the whole being pumped by Celtic, I, let's rewind here. This isn't the Celtic that we have seen over the last few years comfortably winning the last six trophies. Now, I think there'll be an excellent chance for whoever wins the first semi semi-final. Um in the final, if it is Celtic, I also think there'll be an excellent chance for Aberdeen on, on the Sunday to, to beat Celtic. You're right, it, the, the build-up's weird. It's different. It's not the same as we're used to. And and for that, does that mean a win the way that the build-up has been wouldn't be treated? I mean, I think it'll start to build up come Friday, but you're right. Wednesday, by this stage, normally you're up for it. And, but the other hand is, if we lose, it'll be... It'll be annoying. Don't get me wrong. It'll be frustrating. But will it be as annoying? Will it be as frustrating as if we were at the game and we had the normal build-up? I don't know. It's just. It's just. It's a weird one. And I mean, I know you. You get to matches wherever you can. There's there's no danger you'll be at Hamden um, this weekend. What uh, commentating or or writing about it because you're in Istanbul. It'll be weird for you as well in a in a land you didn't expect to be in, going to somewhere that you normally get a direct flight to, watching a semi final at a bizarre time with no one there.
2: Yeah, the whole the whole dynamics of the game are are utterly weird, do really. I I think also maybe no, I'm not alone in this, but you know I'm still jaundiced and pretty sore about the whole circumstances in terms of the last season. You know, it's, sure. you know this competition can carry on. Um, apparently the integrity of the competition with different teams, different squads, that that, that doesn't matter now. No, it matter. It was one of the things that was thrown forward about the league. I could go on all night. But, you know, I, I, I don't think um, Scottish FA. I was on a call with Rod Petrie, um, and he said, you know, the semi have to. These the these semi-finals have to happen because we have to give people a day out. Blah blah blah. <laughs> well, no no, no one's getting out. Um, and, and, and listen, I've got no I've got no particular truck. Unlike a lot of people, I've got no truck with, with Rod Petrie. I think he's far from the worst involved in Scottish football. But that's what he said. That was their key motivation for, for playing this game. Um, and no one's getting a day out. Um, Ian Maxwell co-signed a letter to, to UEFA um, saying how Scottish teams wanted to end their season. Well, Ian Maxwell's Scottish FA is carrying on with this competition. Blah, blah, blah. I could go on all night. So, so that's still greats with me and, and Mark what you said right you know the, the, the dynamic of the game is totally different it feels different um I think undoubtedly hearts are competitively at a disadvantage but it's a hearts-ibs game and it, and it feels incongruous then to say that hearts shouldn't go into the game saying you know they, they don't expect to win they hope to win and um, pretty strongly the, the whole thing's odd it's weird but I suppose that's the life that's the world we live in just now
0: question for you Ewan if it was Heart of Midlothian against Aberdeen in one semi-final, and Aberdeen against Motherwell in the other semi-final, <laughs> do you think There'd we would? Be those do you yeah. think we'd still be playing these games this yeah, season no, I, after?
2: I, I, uh, yeah, no, I've got serious doubts about that. No. I mean, but yeah, I would agree. The Scottish FA would—they argue otherwise. Commercial interests. Oh, they'll the never admit stuff. that. No, no, it's a, it's a, it's one of these things you can never prove. I think it's a valid question. Um, and also, I mean, there were times during the summer where, where I thought Hearts should have told the Scottish FA to stick their competition, but that's apparently not the that's not the done thing. So, <laughs> you know, as I say, I could I could I'm getting angry now. I could go on all night about that. But um it uh, I think lot of us, when it comes to five o'clock, whatever time it is, five o'clock. Isn't five it? Five o'clock Saturday UK time, yeah. Um, five o'clock. Will, you know, we're desperate for them to win, and um, it will feel like a. You know, I, I, I feel different to Mark a little bit. I think if Hearts lose, it will still be really sore. Yeah. I think if they win, it'll, 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 I think it'll they, be I really think it's, sore. But I think if they win, I also think if they win, it'll, it'll feel almost doubly gratifying because of everything that's happened over the last <laughs> um, umpteen months. I think there's a. I think for a lot of us, you'll think, right, that that, that was nice. But uh, but uh, you know,
1: yeah, it, it's just weird, isn't it? It's strange. Just a Hearts a Hearts game without a crowd. Is, is weird. I mean, that's I don't know if that's ever happened before. And, and it's hard when you're trying to talk about a game that's had absolutely zero build-up. I know they're, they're starting now with the, the interviews pre-match from Hearts and Hibs, and, and they're starting to, to promote the game as well. But if you had a £100 free bet, both of you, and you could only put it on Hearts <laughs> or Hibs, and Hearts are the underdogs, as they are with the bookies, and Hibs but are they're the, not with, that's the slight
0: favourites. William Hill had them favourites yesterday. You did. Which is bizarre. I think I saw William Hill and Paddy Power. Whether that's changed, it could have fluctuated. There wasn't much in it. But um, I think um, Anthony Brown had posted it, and I saw someone else post Paddy Power's. Hearts were favourites with at least two bookies, which seems utterly crazy. Well, how it
1: value, then? I
2: said to Anthony, history, dear boy, history. That's what that's
0: all about. <laughs> this will only be... What the, we met the semi-final in, 2000 and, in 2006, but this is only the third occasion we'll meet in the Scottish Cup semi-final and only the fifth um, meeting between the sides, although we had a, a replay in 1901, but the fifth time the sides have met in either the semi-final or the final of the National Cup. and for two, It seems crazy to me. I Laurie,
1: there, there was a spell where we never met in the Scottish Cup full stop yeah. um, until we did. And, and then since then, it's like every second season, that we've met at one stage or another. Um, as far as the importance of this game is concerned, this is one I want to I ask you in because a lot of Hearts fans have still not forgiven Robbie Nielsen for being in charge of Hearts when he was 2-0 up, his team was 2-0 up, and then Hibbs went on to come back at Tyne Castle and win the replay and go on to, to win the Cup. How important a game is this for Robbie Nielsen to try and get that monkey off his back Um, with a lot of the fans, some of whom will never forgive him, but most of them would kind of give him a a pass if he got past Hibs this stage.
2: I think, this is a bit of a Craig Levine phrase, but I think the people that aren't having Robbie and don't like Robbie, it it doesn't make much of a difference. That'll be their their thoughts regardless. Um, I think you're right. I think that previous game in 2016 did stick with a lot of people. I don't think they properly ever really forgave him for what happened there and, and that's daft really I mean Hibbs had to go on and beat other teams to win the cup but but that did stick um, and I remember that home game I remember it vividly who got injured someone got injured that, that screwed up the hearts substitutions and tactics that day I can't remember it wasn't as straightforward as they, 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 they gave up well obviously it was straightforward they gave up the league but someone got injured and that and that messed up their I can't remember their team Um, anyway yeah, I th- but I, I tend to think that people that, that aren't Robbie Nielsen fans or lovers, that they won't change their mind. So I'm not sure. But and also this, it would be slightly unfair. I mean, it, if you look at this coldly, every competitive advantage is in Hib's favour, really. They've been playing, um, you know, for months in, in in the in the top flight, and whatever you make of the level of the top flight and where Hearts would be in that sphere just now, you know, Hib's have been playing against a higher standard of opposition for a longer period of time and that has to be important it's why my kind of worry would be are hearts ready and and I'm not quite sure they've only played a couple of games they've played at a lower level and and, and so the competitive balance I think is in Hibs favour and and, funnily enough Robbie can't really do this because again he would get criticised but if I was him I would throw all the pressure on Hibs I mean Hibs have got you know three of their back four have been in the Scotland squad Kevin Nisbet is apparently the next Jean-Pierre Papin you know they're getting they're getting topped up. To. And, if I, and if I was Robbie, I would say, you know, Hibs should win this game. But but if you make to that point, you will get hammered for it. You know, how can a Hearts manager say, you know, Hibs are the favourites to win a derby? It's another example of how the kind of dynamic is is kind of warped this time.
0: Looking at the I guess the game a little bit more. You've mentioned Hibs, obviously on form, third in the Premiership, only two points behind Celtic, unbeaten in six, looking fairly impressive this season. Hearts the only I guess behind in terms of a division, but in preparation, um, although better organised you would feel under Robbie Nielsen than, than other managers in recent times. Um, in terms of what could be key at the weekend, now we kind of all thought, I think anyway, when we saw Josh Ginelli go off and then leave Gayfield on crutches, that he would be a definite no for Saturday. But Robbie said, um, hopefully there's not been an update by the time you're listening, but that by Thursday you'd maybe make a call on whether the thigh issue that Gianelli, um suffered in Angus would keep him out. Is that going to be a big part of it? Because one of the big differences with Robbie's team compared to, I guess, Stendhal's and Craig Levine's side has been the width. Um, Jordan Roberts should be fine, apparently, but Josh ginelli has been one of the standouts early on. Is that going to play a big part in terms of not just how we do, but how Robbie sets up on Saturday?
2: Well, it's a it's a it's a big pitch, right? So you've got to think. I mean, he's signed wide players on the basis that Hearts need more pace and more width. So you would think, I would think he would play to the wide guys anyway. Um, and it's a and it's a, as I say, Hand a wider pitch anyway. And I actually think, I think Hibb's defence, although I've just um, bottomed them up in terms of their international stuff, I think Hibb's defence is actually still pretty weak. And I think they let a lot of balls get into their box. The boys. For example, I think could feed off, so he would far rather Gianelli was there because he's been the most effective white player thus far.
0: Okay, I mean, looking at Hibs, I mean, just because you, you highlighted it there, so they they favoured a four-four-two this season. I know um, Jack Ross has tried a three at times as well. Boyle's pace on the right uh, is a big danger. It was interesting. I was looking at the left side of midfield, so they played Stevie Mallon there in their last game against Kilmarnock, and apparently, I, I read. Um, in the papers, that Lewis Stevenson is probably going to miss out at the weekend, which would mean um, young Josh Doygan at left-back, who is, by all accounts, a very a very good prospect, but still only 18, with potentially undecided left side. If it was Stevie Malin, for instance, which it might not be. They might use um, Jamie Murphy. There's a couple of options they could put out there. But if they started with an 18-year-old at left-back and Stevie Malin on the left side, who's very talented technically, I wouldn't say he's the best off the ball, um, wouldn't offer much defensively, that's surely then going to give an incentive for the likes of Michael Smith and if it's Ginelli on the right to get forward and try and I guess exploit that defence
1: Doig's a good player, Doig's decent um, but he's young and inexperienced, hasn't played a, a, in this type of game before Stevie Mallon's biggest um, attribute is his ability from set pieces, mm-hmm. he's not going to track back he's, he's not going to do your hard work for you so if that is the, the left side, it's certainly something that you could push um, Doig back and Malin's not really going to help and do a two for one. So that, that would be an area that I would certainly be targeting. I just wonder if, the, I don't know if he'll change his formation. I don't think he will, Robbie. I think he's got an idea. Like as Ewan was saying earlier, he pretty much knew and he he told us as well. He had his, he had his team for the Dundee game in mind long before, assuming there were no injuries in the build up. I think he's had his team in mind for the, the Hibs game um, for a while as well. And I think that included Ginelli. So I think he's a key part. And if he doesn't play, does he stick with the same formation and try and fit another piece into the jigsaw? Or does he change things around? Because I still think that left-hand side of the Hibs um, team, as you as you mentioned, is is something that uh, can be exploited. Just like the right-hand side, um, it'll be some battle between Stephen Kingsley and Martin Boyle. Yeah. I and mean, also, you can't.
2: I have my doubts about Kevin Nismet, but you can't deny the fact he's, he, you know, he scored he's a lot of goals. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so, so for Halkett and Pipescu, again, it's a, it's a lifting standard. Playing a guy full of confidence, Doye again, I'm not really sure about, but he seems to be effective at, at what he does. So, so, Hart's defence, which I think we could all name, if you know, Smith. I think Halk the goalkeeper
0: in defence, yeah.
2: And the goal, and the goalkeeper, which you should be comfortable with, but. They're going up a level here, and they're going against guys who are confident because they've been doing well against an inverted commas, as a higher standard of opposition. So, so they're going to have to be really sharp to stop Hibbs from uh, from scoring.
0: So, a few things for you, Ewan. and you're the you're the guest. So we'll 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 put it on you to to make some of these calls. Like you said, I think the goalkeeper in the back four picks itself, unless there's some kind of injury issue, which we hope we won't have. You know, that's going to be that back four. Well, this is where Robbie goes with a three. But you'd think it would be Kingsley left, Smith right, Pepescu and Halkett in the centre with, with Gordon and goals. The the, the pivot or the, the defensive, the holding midfield roles, this is where I think it gets interesting because we, we've talked about it already. There's kind of four players you can play there. There's Irving, there's Lee, there's Haring and there's Halliday. Lee and Halliday didn't seem to work at the weekend. Haring, there's still doubts about how fit he is. Irving, I think you're right, he was probably... The poorest player against Dundee, I, he probably should have been sent off as well. So there's nothing's really set in stone in that position, and it also depends what you want because you get, um, you know, you get a Lee who's not too bad range of passing, but he's not going to break the lines. He's not going to break forward too much. He's not going to carry the ball. I would say an awful lot. Um, Irving, technically the best out with him, I would say, pick a pass will find, you know, thread those balls through to players. And then Haring and Halliday offer different options as well. What would you go with here? Because I think you mentioned it. I quite liked when you mentioned Haring. If if he can play, of course, if he's fit to play and can start. And Irving, because you get the kind of, the player who can control the game deeper defensively, but is also technically good in Haring, but you get someone who can maybe pick these balls in behind that Hibbs defence, could pick out runs of a Ginelli or can thread a ball through to the likes of Boyce or Walker in Irving. So maybe a, a, a good pairing in that? Or, or how would you go?
2: Yeah, I, mean, I would pick... Um, I'm not the manager of hearts for obvious reasons, but I would pick um, Andy Irving and Haring or, or Halliday, whichever one you were more comfortable with in terms of fitness. I, I don't think you'll do that. You also have to remember... Lee's Lee's previous for doing well at Hamden. He scored a good goal against Inverness, didn't he, in that, in that cup semi-final 2019? I think he scored the first goal, didn't he? Is that right? Oh, no. i tell you what he did. He had a long-range shot that tested the goalkeeper at the start of the second half before John Suter scored. That's what it was. I was going to say, I, I don't
0: remember Oli Lee scoring. Oh, no, so
2: the... no, he didn't. He, didn't but he, he, had a, he had a long-range shot that kind of set the tone for Hearts. performance. performance. Um, I think he play Lee beside Talladee. And then I would go Gennelli, Walker, Roberts and Boyce.
0: Boyce ahead of Whiten, definitely. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. And I and Whiten's a really good guy to have on the bench. I think you leave Walker alone at number ten and I think you play Janelle if, if he's fit and you play Roberts. Again, I would you know, if you have to play Fear in one of those positions, that's fine. But like Mark, I agree, Robbie will know exactly the, the plan will have been set in stone for this quite a while ago. Um and there will be one of how or are I'm sure, is guaranteed to play because you need that. You need the kind of um, anchor guy there that's going to break up play and start attacks. And that's going to be really important. Otherwise, they're going to be exposed badly in the middle of the pitch. So. And you need legs. I if, yeah, and, I, and I'm still not. I really hope Peter Haring comes back and, and and you know has a has a strong career and does well for Hearts, but I'm still a bit unconvinced about his movement and his fitness. Yeah. And his ability yeah. to play in this game. That, that's only reason I would say. He he may not play, so I'm I'm trying to think. Robbie may think I I would think that would be Lee, beside Halliday because Halliday again I, I think he was, poor on Friday and I think he's you know I think we underestimate what it's like when you don't have, you know you've six seven eight months without competitive football that's hard but I, I think he can get yeah, about the pitch a little bit more and affect the game a little bit more so I, I think he'll play.
1: Here's here's one for for you and Lori and I have spoken the last few weeks with with various guests and ourselves about. What do we do with Stephen Naismith? Uh, you didn't mention him. Um, where does he play? Does he play? What does he do with him?
2: Well, there's two things. One, again, I, I, I'm not sure he's fit. I mean, he, he had the back issue against... Who was that? He came off at half-time. East Fife, was
1: it? Played on the plastic at East Fife and came off at half-time. Uh, again, was, sorry, again, East, at East Fife.
2: That's what it was. So, and then he came off and, he's, and there's obviously issues about his fitness. I think, bluntly, when he's played, he hasn't played very well. and I, And I think... Jamie Walker, it's another Robbie Nielsen success. Robbie seems to be able to make Jamie tick, and I think you leave Jamie alone at number 10, that's where he should play. Um, he doesn't get, he hasn't been lazy in there. He's affected games. I thought against Dundee, he was absolutely terrific. One of the best games I've seen him play for for Hearts. So on the basis, you leave Jamie Walker at number, Walker at number 10, I'm not sure. Do you, do you play Naismith off the left? Maybe, but I think it's twofold. One, obviously there, there's fitness concerns because he hasn't Played much football and two, I'm not sure he's been that good when he's played. To be honest, so I, yeah. I don't know the, for putting him in the team.
1: I wouldn't be playing him wide left because so, he ain't talking so back. Where, Martin Boyle.
2: Where does he? Where does he? That's my point. So where does he play then? He
1: doesn't. And that that's the bottom line. I mean, when he's a hundred percent, where does he play? Uh, that's another argument for another day. I think you're right. I mean, he didn't start against Dundee because he, he wasn't he wasn't fully fit, along with Andy Halliday, and that was confirmed by by Robbie Nielsen so um, I would love him to be 100% fit if he was where would we play him because I think we've seen so far when him and Jamie have played in the same team they kind of get in each other's way so yeah, I, it's a difficult one this
2: I think well, that, there was a was that the Ray Throvers game there was a perfect example of that the, the two of them yeah. didn't work at all and, and funny enough the Dundee game was interesting because he, he didn't even put them on You know, and, and Hearts were going to win the game you know despite various spells, we are going to win pretty comfortably. And Naismith still didn't come on for 20 minutes or 50 minutes or 40 minutes. I thought, well, that was quite interesting. It was telling.
1: It was, it was yeah. telling. Here's, here's one to throw out for you. What about dropping Naismith deeper? Is that a position? And, and I'm assuming he's fit here. This isn't maybe necessarily for this weekend. But if we're struggling to fit him in, in an advanced role, is there an argument? You've seen, um, both of you, you've seen a lot more of Stephen Naismith in the flesh than I have. Can you see him playing in a deeper role now that he's a little bit older, or would that not work?
2: Mm, I haven't. I don't know. Here, here's another thing that, that this is going against the grain a little bit. I, I don't. Maybe maybe his fellow players love him, but I don't like his kind of incessant barking and shouting and screaming at other players. actually
1: didn't like that, did he? I mean, they, and I, I, and it strikes me,
2: especially just now, Hearts have got a pretty. I think they're a pretty good bunch of lads. I think even last season, they were a pretty good bunch of lads. They just lost their way. But but I've always been a little bit uncomfortable with Stephen Naismith growling and shouting at other players. And also, again, more recently, I, mean, I don't really think his performances have been that great. It doesn't really sit well with me. So, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be fascinating. Actually. It's going to be one of the interesting things of the season. I would, I would work... If you work on Jamie Walker's last few years, he's not going to play every single game so it might be that he just plays there when Walker doesn't play um and he can play center forward obviously but I, but I think how Robbie handles them and deals with them and
0: uses them is going to be really 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 interesting i think with Naismith, it's one of those where i, I was a i was a fan of that side of it uh, initially and it sort of gradually it's gradually started to appear very differently as as things began to fall apart generally for hearts and kind of started to watch it and think is this actually doing anything productive here or is this this actually detrimental at this point um so I, i i wouldn't say i'm completely against a bit of that at times but i think it's certainly when when the chips were really down and and it wasn't working and he was just as culpable as everyone else out there it did start to feel like is this just for for sure now is this doing? Is this helping anyone at this point when we're playing shite? We're doing shite. He's playing shite. Everyone around him is playing shite, and he's shouting at everyone.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, I, I don't think at all. It's for sure. It's just the way he is, and I, and I don't. You know, he's not going to change now. He's he's whatever age in his career. I don't think it's for sure or, or for effect. But I, I a bit like you, when the hearts were struggling, and and more recently, I think his form has been struggling. I, I don't think it looks quite right. Um, so that's yeah, you know, it didn't quite sit well with me. So that's why it's going to be interesting in terms of how he how he plays and where he plays and you know over the next few months.
0: Well, recently we've been better without him. To be fair, in recent in recent games, you know we've seen when he's been on, I think the team has looked poorer than when than when he's been off. But he's still
2: he's still a very high level player. Yeah, and he and, he, and, and you know if you're being blunt, Hearts have again Hearts haven't played against much really. So, so I would work on the basis that a player of his standard still should make a difference if he's fully fit.
0: I think so. so and it's th- finding where we put him. That's, I think that is the main thing. Because, oh, exactly. Yeah. Do we want to make predictions, guys? Or is that a bit too...
1: Laurie, the bottom line here is unless you've seen Hibs in the majority of games, it's very hard to make a prediction because we're focusing on the championship. Um, there's no real interest in, in Hearts fans... Watching Premiership games, uh, unless they just they're, they're casual viewers, so therefore the majority of them probably haven't seen Hibs play that much, maybe once or twice on on TV. Uh, you've just got to look at the the performances they've had so far, um, and, and they've they've done well. They've picked up a decent number of points so far. Um, they sit in a good position in the table, in in third, um, having won or drawn ten of the the twelve games they played. So. I'm I'm with what both of you said earlier about Robbie trying to undersell Hart's part in this and, and make it, put, try and put all the pressure on Hibbs. They've done well against most of the teams that they've played against in the top flight this season. Hart's haven't played many games. They've not come up against anybody of the calibre of the opposition that they're going to get this weekend. So... Yeah, I mean, anyone trying to make a prediction here is, is just it's just hope rather than expectation because you've not seen enough to have a, a, a kind of informed opinion about what the opposition is like.
2: Mark, I mean, Mark, I've spoken to people in, in football not connected to Hearts or Hibs over the last week and they've all said pretty much that. They've all said it's a really, really difficult game to call because, of the, I said it earlier, the, the dynamics of the game are really, really strange. So pe- people, qualified football people, Aren't really making bold predictions about oh Hibs will definitely win. their Hearts can upset them. They find it very, very difficult. All I would say is, last season when <laughs> what was it? What was the score at Easter Road in March? Three-one. Hearts won. Mm-hmm. Jack Ross's Hibs team and Hearts were in, you know, the various forms of mess that constituted, you know, the second half of last season. They still went to Easter Road and won very comfortably. Yeah. There, there, there's no reason that the statement. I don't think there ever is without sounding arrogant. But there's no reason the Hearts should be. Panicking or worried that Hibs are this superior Premiership force. I'm not, I'm not sure that's the case. I think if they played each other, my sense is if they played each other 20 times currently, the, the results would be pretty even. To be honest, this is
1: a this is this is a, a game whereby it's it's going to be hard to, to to kind of know in advance. Even if you knew the teams in advance, it would still be hard to predict. That's why. I mean, I, I was actually looking um, for the odds earlier, and you you told me the story that the bookies are had made or a couple of them. had made hearts the favourites. There's no way hearts should be favourites. Based, I mean, I'm looking for a bit of value when I bet. The value is is Hibs if they're not favourites. I don't want them to win. Um, if I make a prediction, I'm just gonna I'm gonna let the heart rule the head. I'm gonna go hearts. Of course I am, but I'm not doing that with with any kind of constant um, knowledge of the opposition. And and an, I mean, I did get a I did get a message. I was chatting to a Hibs um, pal who's a friend of mine. And he was basically saying they've got results, but they've not looked great at times defensively. Um, they're they're not what they would like to be or or where they would like to be. Um, and again, this is someone that hasn't watched much of Hearts, who's given me the the kind of lowdown on on Hibs and and where they're beatable. Anyone that has watched Hearts, if you watch that game against Arbroath, you're going to think they're not much. So no, I think I think.
2: One? I think you're I think that sentiment actually is quite common amongst him supporters. Actually, I'm not sure they've been overly enthused by how they've started this season, despite the kind of you know the results generally have been decent and and there's a lot of positive noise around them. I, I've heard what you said quite regularly as well. Actually, that they're not their own supporters aren't really convinced. I think that's probably fair comment.
0: Okay, well let's hope it goes the way of the men in maroon, of course, and we will be back next week to. To review that.
2: you have not brought that photograph yet. That you shame. Wanted to old.
1: wanted to leave that until the end because um, you you dropped a little one in before the show that um, it nearly cost you a place at journalism school. What was what was that all about?
2: So the, so the photo the photo that you
1: shared on social
2: media. Yeah, I should the... say
0: I, I posted a, a photo. Sorry to cut you off. I just say I posted a photo on the scarves around the funnel Twitter account. Just before we went on air, um, which was sent to me by Davey Allen, who's of London Hearts, actually. Is that who it was? That's who it was. <laughs> yeah, he sent us a few, um, but that one I liked the most. So this is. Well, describe describe the picture to us, Ewan, that I shared on social media. Just smoking a cigar in a bar, basically. That's all. I assume it's post match in Basel. Yes, it's in the
2: Cafe des Arts in Basel in November 2004. Um, but that almost got me kicked out of journalism school because. Well, well, that campaign, because um, let me get the chronology right. Hearts played Braga, yeah, Fiorent, yep, yep. Badal all away from home. Yes, uh, and they played Finnish Varos at Murrayfield. Yes, but they—I yes. was in the. Uh, who else did they play, Mark? Schalke.
1: At was home. that in Germany?
0: Or was that at home?
1: home.
2: At home. Yeah.
0: That at was field. a
1: weird group of five and and two at home, two away. Uh, and Shal- Ch- Ch- Chaba Laszlo was the one that, that, that came to, to Murrayfield with Ferenc Varos got a kick and for his Schalke, troubles he did.
2: He was, uh, was that Robo's first game as manager I think Schalke it was one of them one of the first ones it was around, anyway that was around the time that Romanov was taken over Craig Oveen left John Robertson came in blah 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 so I was at, um, I was doing my postgraduate journalism diploma in Cardiff um, which was pretty intense it was like 40 odd hours a week you went away time off etc etc but um hearts got these decent draws in europe and because i was in cardiff it was quite easy to get to london to fly to these games and i went to well i went to watch them and um my journalism tutor pretty quickly caught on that i was going to family weddings around the time the hearts were playing european uefa cup then it was uefa cup ties <laughs> um and my this is why you should always tell the truth because my my flatmate he, he wasn't he was a town planning student um his appendix burst and he ended up in hospital my journalism tutor something happened, he got some mad infection in his hand and ended up they ended up side by side in hospital beds. And Colin said, Oh, Ewan Murray's my, my flatmate. and David, being a good journalist, said Oh yeah, Ewan thinks we're we're daft, you know. He says he's going to these family weddings and Colin said, No, oh, no, he's been around Europe watching hearts he's <laughs> matching <laughs> 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 oh, oh, I was uh, I was rumbled. Although he said to me, David, my, my, my tutor who I'm still on great terms with, he said to me, You should he said, told the truth. And I said, well, if I came to you and said, I want a couple of days off. Those games were on a Thursday night, so I used to, I was off Thursday, Friday. If I came to you and said, I want a couple of days off to go and watch Hearts play in Braga or Basel or Rotterdam, you would never have sanctioned that. He said, oh, yeah, yeah, fair enough. So it worked out okay in the end. But Basel was uh, Basil was amazing, partly because they won the game. It was a great city. Um, we had a fantastic time. And that's where that picture uh, was from. Robbie Nielsen scored the winner, didn't he?
1: He did, 87th minute And I have to say, Mr Ewan Murray um, I think the last time I saw you was the last time I was at a game at Tynecastle When Hearts beat Kelly 4-0 between Christmas and New Year I think four years ago or whatever You didn't sound like you sound now You're, you're starting to sound a bit like an, a bit of an American There's the, the T's are becoming D's a little bit You're spending too much time over here, son don't, would, forget, uh, don't forget where you're from
2: If you met me at Tynecastle, Castle, that would be after six pints of lagger tops in the Tynecastle arms so I would have said this was, differently.
1: This was before the game, which was oh, probably exactly yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that was my point. <laughs> was that when? Uh, was that Ian Cathro's
2: team that beat Cabanet? I think
1: it was. It was. Because Sorry. It. Yep. Yeah, there you go. There you I remember seen.
2: that because I remember that because of the horrendous stick Chris Boyd got having. Uh, he did. Battered Ian and his Cabanet team get thumped. Aye, that was I the think, last time was I was at, at Tynecastle. Is that right? Is the chronology of that right? I remember the I remember Hearts under Cathro beat Kilmarnock easily. The boys.
0: It was yeah. Um, Walker two. Uh, Doom got one. Patterson got injured that game. It was the game where Patterson ended up he getting scored, his injury. He scored. He scored and then got injured and he never played for never played and for so Hearts again.
3: A,
2: This is a, this is for another day. But I've got a long and boring theory about that, and I'm not defending Ian Cathro. But a lot of strange things happened around that time. Patterson, who was going to be sold for a decent amount of money, he got a bad injury. Uh, John sewer got a bad injury at Celtic Park. Not long after that, uh, Igor Rossi left. So there's that was three of your back four out. Uh, there was a chain of events, like a kind of strange things happened, and top of Ian Castle bringing in a lot of his own players who didn't work. But there was, there was a strange set of circumstances that didn't really fall in his in his favour. And that I remember that part. I can still see him going down, Callum Patterson. That was. That was part of that kind of tale of woe that didn't... I mean, even if he wasn't going to stay at the club and he wasn't, they were going to get a million pounds or whatever it was for his services, which was going to be very useful. Mind you, maybe Ian Castle would have bought even more players that weren't going to work, but anyway. <laughs> do,
1: you, do you remember who missed the late penalty in that game?
2: Oh, great question.
1: Uh, Bjorn Johnson? No, but the nationality is not far from um, where Bjorn Johnson was born. He's Nor- he was Norwegian, right? Did
0: Penny yeah, Kitchen miss, American.
1: apparently? No, Danny was a Oh, right. I don't remember that wow. at all.
0: Danny is Canadian, though.
1: He is, and that's, that borders the United States. Okay, Jesus, son, do some geography. Christ, no. that was Kathar- that was Cathro's first win. As, as Hart's boss, that night.
2: That's, anyway. uh... You see that? I mean, that, 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 that feel always it was, it was a long, long time ago. It's, it's Jeez, incredible. I mean, If you actually, it, it loops back to what we're talking about. If you look at, there's been so many things that have gone wrong at Hearts over the last few years, but but so much of it goes back to when Robbie Neilson left. Things have never really been as good as when Robbie left and they beat Rangers 2 0 that midweek night at Tyncastle to go second top of the league.
1: Second in the table.
2: And, and, things and have never, that,
1: you
3: happen. know, things
2: have, things have never, and there's been, you know, again, I could reel off a 100 reasons, and there's been the odd high point and the odd great moment and but things have never been as good as, as when Robbie was there. And that, that was my, you know, I didn't think Robbie would have any interest in coming back. That's why, I, you know, I didn't really think about him. I was delighted he did. But if you look at it from the club's point of view, nothing's been the same since he left. And that's my kind of overriding hope as to why things will be settled down and, and be okay now in the in the short to medium term.
0: And hopefully that can continue as well as his revival of return to hearts, return to form will continue on Saturday dinner time at Hamden Park. Hearts against Hibs. It doesn't feel like it's semi final weekend, but I'm sure that will change for all of us when it comes to the day of the event. And hopefully by this time next week, we've got something positive to, to talk about. But we will be back anyway to review whatever happens at the National Stadium. Uh, thanks for coming on, you, and appreciate you. Taking the time from your your hotel in in Turkey, uh, are you going to get to watch the game on Saturday? Oh yes, definitely. Are I you telling your boss?
2: A, have, absolutely, yeah. No, I have a Hearts <laughs> I stopped it, I must admit, but I have a Hearts TV international subscription that um, I restarted when I was. I used to watch it all the time, and I was um, abroad at the golf. I didn't need it obviously over the summer, but I've started it again. So I'll be listening to your dulcet tones, um, shouting and screaming on my hotel balcony. Hopefully there's something to shout and scream about. Well, there will be. It's whether it's positive
0: or negative. <laughs> there, will be, there will be something to shout and scream about. Indeed, and I'll have Mr. Sanderson alongside me as well. So,
1: Jimmy's has gone out of Edinburgh.
0: Aye, well he goes for that. He goes for the big games, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't do wow. a not do a cold night in our broth. Um, Thanks for, for the. Uh, Na- hey,
2: th- neither th- would you. Thanks Laurie. for the Ed- invite. Right. Really enjoyed it. Thank you.
0: Cheers you and right, thank yeah. you. We'll we'll definitely get you on again at some point. Um, to talk about more escapades when you almost lost your job due to following hearts. It's always a good story. Sorry, almost almost lost your place at university.
2: Lost my prospects of a job.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, well, we'll be back next week, um, talking about Heart of Midlothian against Hibernian, in the first derby of the season. Maybe the last derby of the season, but you never know. Um, in last season's Scottish Cup. So yeah, hop in your time machines, your DeLoreans, and and find our way back to, to last campaign.